angels gathered in their masses Just like witches at black masses Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, larger! world stops turning ashes where the body's burning no more war pigs of the power and as god has struck the hour day of 
judgment God is calling Underneath the war pigs crawling Begging mercies for the sins Satan laughing spreads his wings Oh Lord, yeah. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to It's the End, Almost, Part 3. This is where we're getting into the recap of NXT TakeOver War Games, which took place uh, just, a, just a day or two ago on the WWE Network, depending on uh, what time we listen to this and what time it comes out. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, once again joining me, I have the NXT correspondent mr john tumbling is back with me ladies and gentlemen and uh i'm excited to get into some more games john how you feeling oh dude this is a this is this was a, a great time and i'll tell you what Vinny, you're just not putting up emphasis on it you mean war games let's get into it Vinny. <laughs> absolutely uh William Regal does it better than I could. <laughs> oh, any of, better than any of us could. Yeah, I didn't even want to try to top it. I didn't even want to try. Uh, but anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we do have uh, NXT TakeOver War Games. And first of all, let me just say the thing that impressed me the most was the fact that we knew when War Games were going to happen, we knew it's the standard. There's two rings. 
the giant cage. You know, we know how the War Games is set up. I didn't know they could fit two rings in the Capitol Wrestling Center. I honestly thought they were going to the Amway Center in Orlando with a takeover. So I was very impressed that they were able to fit two rings inside that section of uh, the Performance Center. I didn't think they were going to even make an attempt to do this. So I was um, very impressed with that. And I just wanted to make that a little... uh, Little thing there, clear. And so we get close to, we kick off the first official match of the evening. We have the Women's War Games match. We have uh, Team Shotzi. We have Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai versus Team Candice with Candice LeRae, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. So first of all, I'll get into how I felt about it, but just, just your initial reaction were you surprised or just kind of like, okay, this is how it's going to be with the women's war game match opening the show? Um, I wasn't surprised because I've, I've learned anything with uh, WWE in general, not even just NXT. Usually when they have something like this, usually one, they usually like, whether it's a hell in a cell or a TLC or whatever, usually one opens the show and one closes it. And I knew that the women's war games match was going to open because of who's in the men's war games match. So I knew it wasn't going to be Undisputed Era and the Kings of NXT. Because if they did do that, that would have killed the rest of the pay-per-view. Because with all due respect to all the competitors in this match and the matches to follow, no one is following the men's war games. No, no I agree with that. I I agree with that. I just wanted, I just wanted uh, to see if they weren't gonna do war games, war games. But that would be that that'd be way too much war games for one match or for you know for two in a row. I'd get tired of that real quick. Um, but I I guess I was just surprised this opened the show. I figured they would have opened with the strap match into the war games women's match, then the North American title, then the men's. Honestly, that's thought I, that honestly thought of how I. It, it was going to go. Yeah. I mean, if they were going to do something like that, I probably would have, it probably would have opened with, uh, Tommaso Champ and Timothy Thatcher. Probably would have mm, opened mm-hmm. because, you know, those guys are great, but they were the ones that their, their storyline kind of got thrown together last minute. So I felt like if there was anything that was going to open the show or be a cool down match, if they like, if let's say they did a women's war games match, then, Thatcher and Champa, and then the men's war games match. So it, w- it could have been a cool down between both of them or open the show. I would have gone with that because all every other match has had a build up and a storyline behind it. I can see that, Vinny. I, I can see that, man. Awesome. So how'd you feel about the uh about the women's war games? Oh match? yeah. Um uh so well Vinny, I guess you were right about the uh the face team getting the advantage um they didn't really double team dakota kai she just kind of beat ember moon up for a little bit and then it was just one-on-one for a little bit and then you know what i mean so like they really didn't even use the advantage and uh then again at the end of the match with tony storm's belt and everything and honestly good creative stuff uh the uh the heel team got the advantage way longer than they did anyway so as you say, Vinny, the heel team should always get the advantage, and they did. 
Um, I I really got to give credit here. Uh, she didn't get a whole lot of offense in, but I got to tell you, the absolute iron woman of this match, hands down, was Io Shirai. She did not get a ton of offense, but damn it, did she take some bumps in this match. Oh my goodness. Um, but I got to say, for Ember Moon being the first one in, I kind of lost her in the commotion. And I started to pay way more attention to everybody else, and she got completely just lost in the match. I don't know if that's how Ember Moon is right now or just how creative wanted to do this. Um, but other than that, I thought Shotzi looked amazing, as she always does. She's getting better. It was good to see her in a takeover match. She hit some bumps here. And uh, I guess uh, more importantly, Vinny, uh, she got a new big-ass tank. She did. Uh, I will say I love the tank because – just a simple fact that you hyped it up on the go, or not? And by you, I mean like I, I meant metaphor. WWE, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was obviously I wasn't directing that to you personally, but I, I'm thinking like hypothetically, like they hyped up the tank on the go home show, showing that awesome engine thing or whatever that was that made Shotzi so happy. So we knew something had to happen. I did not know that it was going to actually shoot something at the cage. I thought that was great. I loved the presentation of the tank. I will say, though, this – and uh, here, here, here's the thing. This is what I learned about this – is, this is the gift and the curse of being great at what I do, which is analyzing wrestling. There's a gift and a curse that comes with this. The gift is I can break down and spot things that the average person might not notice. The curse is I can spot and break down things people don't normally catch, which okay, which when you're a fan is not – if I was just a fan that knew nothing about the inner workings of the business and I saw this woman's match, I could give it the A- minus that CBS report gave this match. But when I'm looking at so many things or mistakes – that were being made, I have to drop that grade a little bit because I, there's a lot of things the women did that I was not a fan of. For example, um, wow, okay. Uh, now, obviously, th- and this is the thing that I've said before, and I've said this with AEW, so I'm be- so I'm keeping the same philosophy here. We all know wrestling is a scripted show. We know that in wrestling. You know, the people that are in the ring, they're working together, they're cooperating with each other to put on a performance. We all know this, and we're okay with it. Here's where I'm not okay with it. If you're going to put on a match, your job is not to make it look obvious that you're choreographing a match. It's not supposed to be obvious. Like, it's like if a magician is pulling a rabbit out of the hat... You're supposed to make it look like you're actually pulling the rabbit out of the hat. I know the rabbit's not in that hat. You know the rabbit's not in that hat. Everybody in the audience, when you walk out of there, you kind of know there's no real rabbit in that hat. But if the guy had a clear container that you saw the rabbit inside and saw the man put his hand through the hat into the container to pull out the rabbit, you're not going to enjoy that. Uh, So, am I making any sense so far, by the way? Yeah, you are. I'm just, uh, I'm 
maybe maybe my uh, analytical eye, which it probably totally is true, uh, is not as keen as yours because I, I don't remember anything so glaring in that match that I would feel this kind of way about it. Maybe I was just genuinely entertained. I don't know. No, I just want to make sure I'm making sense because I'm getting to the point that I'm trying to make. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're, you're making okay, clear sense here. Good. I just want to make sure. Now, we get to the, – there's one spot in the match where all six of the women are near the top rope. And there's I think there's a superplex going on over here. I think Ember Moon's about to do a bulldog while the girl's holding it up. Kind of when the, while the other while one of the girls, I can't remember who, is holding the other girl on her shoulders. Kind of like uh, like the way the Steiner brothers used to do it back in the day. Like the bulldog finisher, which I also think was a road warrior yeah. finisher as well. As a doomsday device. So she's going for that while somebody else is doing that. If you listen real closely... You can see all six women out there. You hear Ember Moon go three, two, one, and they execute the move. Really? Yes. If you go go back and watch, and you t- and you turn the volume up loud enough, and you really listen, you can hear Ember Moon clear as day. I had to rewind this four or five times just to be sure, but I can literally hear them go. All right, everybody, one, two, three, and click and flip. Which, well, is that uh, is, is that a hit on Ember Moon or the production in general? I would say Ember Moon, and I'm going to tell you why. Because this is a cage match. Inside a cage, there has to be at least one cameraman inside the cage in order to catch the action. That's why you notice when they're in that middle area, anytime there was a high spot, it was always on that one side of the cage. Mm-hmm. That's because on the other side, there's an inside cameraman to get the close-up shots. I learned this, I, and this, and this is, and this is true in indie wrestling as well. Like that's why if there's going to be a cage match, they put experienced wrestling camera people in that cage because you're going to be in there catching the action, and they make sure that when you're in that cage match, the number one thing they tell you is if you're going to do a spot, don't do it on this side of the cage because that's where the camera guy is. Because they got to be able to catch him. They got to be able to catch it and get the close-ups and everything. And obviously, it's Kevin Dunn's job in the truck to say, tighten up here, tighten up there. That's his job. But the other problem is, is that, as we've mentioned before, there's no there's there's no capacity crowds in these uh, buildings anymore. They got the few people sitting outside and the monitors, which means we can hear everything that goes on if you don't know what you're doing. Now... The experienced veterans, and even though some of these people are experienced, they're not – they're experienced, but they're not that experienced. Like, they know how to communicate with each other in the ring without you being able to hear it. They have a, a way of doing it. That's why you see a lot of lockups when they tie up. They're talking to each other in there. When the guy puts somebody in a headlock, he'll usually, like, whisper in his ear, like, okay, here's what we're going to do next. And they do it in a way to where you can't hear it. So I could hear that clear as day. And that took me that took me out of the match. And then um, the other thing that I had an issue with was here's the thing: I loved Io Shirai in the garbage can, diving off the cage. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I loved it. Yeah, it was it. Uh, I, it, I it was hard because I loved the spot. But I also was really worried about like her body, even though I know that's not really all that bad. That garbage can doesn't weigh a whole lot, and neither does Io Shirai. You know what I mean? Like I know for all points and purposes, that kind of was a safe move. But 
Io Shirai got her body beat up in this in oh, in, in this match, dude. She totally did. But the thing is, once again, there's that there's that problem that wrestlers seem to have where every time somebody jumps off a cage or dives out of the ring, they all have to stop and look up and see it. Oh, dude, that was terminal in this match. They literally, it felt like someone, if, if they were even a second off, which with all the commotion very easily could happen, it just made them hanging around waiting for it look even worse. Yeah, especially a lot of times when people have to, like, adjust their footing or they're trying to get everything perfect because there was another issue where that happened, um, and I'm going to get to that. It was, But the thing is, so she's diving off. But then all of a sudden... At one point, I think it was – I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Ken. I think it might have been Dakota Kai who does like a coup de gras off the top rope, smashes through the garbage can. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. But then she spends two or three minutes trying to pull her out of the damn trash can before she could finally pin her. And I'm just like, what's stopping you from pinning her? I mean, technically, Vinny, the ref couldn't – the ref can't see if her shoulders are are up or down. You wouldn't be able to see it. True, but again, she's compressed in a garbage can. How's she go kick out? She's like smashed in th- into a garbage can like a sardine. She can barely move. Like she's like literally, she's like shaking it. Like she's trying to shimmy her out of this garbage can. Then she goes for the cover. Shirai kicks out. While Ember Moon is breaking up the count, what I would have done is hit the coup de gras, cover Shotzi, have the ref count, and then Ember breaks it up. Because she's already done the pin. Break up the pin. That way, it looks more believable. Like, you just crushed her in a, in a trash can. She's clearly not getting out of it. Because, like I said, she spent three minutes literally shimmying her out of this garbage can. It's like, she's there. Cover her. The, 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 the correct thing to do... Would have been that didn't mean to happen. Um, you obviously can't pin her. Um, I would have had Dakota Kai get up and gloat a little bit or like act a little heelish while the camera zoomed in on her while the referees off camera fucking got her out of the trash can. That would have been the correct thing to do. Yeah. And then here was the other other complaint that I had. And it's with and this is where we have the team captains come into play. At a certain point, Candace LeRae. I forget how it happened, but she's lying on the ground. Shotzi climbs up the ladder. Now, I don't know if I blame Candace for this or I blame the camera guy for this. I might blame both. But, again, this is where if you look real closely, go back and watch the tape, you clearly see Candace LeRae grab one of the chairs and place it on top of her. Yeah, uh, yeah. You don't even have to rewind it. That was that was one of the most obvious. Like her reach over, grab the t- uh, grab the chair to put it over herself. Like I, I was like, really, dude? Like you're not even you're not even trying. She looks like a kid who got caught stealing a cookie, but you've already gone so far. So it, but then you just, it, you know what I mean? It's yeah. it just it was it had gone too far. Okay, good. I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. So then, but here's the worst part. Not only is she grabbing this chair to put on top of her, Shotzi's trying to balance herself on the ladder. Because that's the thing. When they do these high spot moves, that's why I'm, this is why most, now, like I said, I, I expected a lot of spot matches in a War Games match. Let me 
preface that by saying this. But in general, I'm not a big fan of Spot Monkey Wrestling because it requires so much good timing and patience that it takes you out of the reality of what of the reality kayfabe world while they're trying to adjust and then finally jump off. So I'm thinking, okay, Candace has this chair. Is she going to like hold it up? Is it going to be something where she like throws it up or holds it up to hit Shotzi and she rolls out of the way? Maybe then it'd be okay. But no, she just held it on her chest so Shotzi could do that cool splash with the chair. That she that that didn't even pin her. So it was a wasted spot in the match. And once again, it took them out of the reality. So Yeah, and it broke Candice LeRae's arm. What? Oh her arm? Yeah. Broke? Oh my god. Yeah, she broke her arm. Like that that spot right there broke her arm. Like, and that's not kayfabe broken. Like, not kayfabe. Ah, uh, see? No. She broke her arm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So yeah. Yeah, nice. uh Triple H Triple H put on Twitter today about it. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. Joy. So, yeah, this was... This but uh, Candice LeRae, she just... She, the, the whole spot went wrong. The entire spot was wrong. It looked bad. And she probably was holding the chair incorrectly or didn't place it on herself correctly. I mean, obviously it was an accident, but maybe yeah. she... I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I don't blame Shotzi for it at all. Because she was doing... She, had, she timed the move and jumped. Candice is the one grabbing the extra chair like... Ooh, this will look good. I'm like, you didn't need the chair. You didn't need the chair. The, the 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 splash off the top was enough. Literally. Yeah, and if you're gonna kick out anyway, like especially when you're gonna kick out. I can understand that that's like, okay, I wanna put the chair on top because that's the finish. Okay. I could probably let that slide. But literally, you you exposed the business and got yourself injured for nothing. That's literally what that spot did. And that's something that uh, a lot that, that's a mistake a lot of these women made and some of them are relatively new but there's some women in there who in my opinion know better who should know better ember like ember moon's mistake she knows better candace she knows better some of, some of these guys they know better than that and so while this did have some good moments and it did like eo shirai was perfect in this match but because she was. She was. She not just because she put her body in line, but just because she was good. Tony Storm had great psychology with the tying the belt around, trying to lock her out, so it gave the heels a chance to to get some heat, despite the fact that their their get out of jail free card with the heat was taken from them, which no one took advantage of. Like I like here's the thing, I would have liked this a lot better. Like if if when like Raquel Gonzalez, if they had booked her more like a beast throughout the match. It could have helped the baby faces with the war games advantage. Like in my opinion, can't Raquel should have been the first one in the cage. It should have been her. Yeah, I agree with that. And you just have her, you know, just ragdoll everybody in there. I'm talking she just smashes everyone around the cage, beats the hut of everybody. Then every time the baby face team has their one woman advantage they can come in and kind of wear down Raquel. That way she can, that's when she starts selling. And then you kind of wear her down, wear her down, and then eventually, but then eventually she makes a comeback, starts beating up both the girls, 
you know, when someone backs her up, then a third person comes in. There's a way they could have done it to make it work, but they they didn't do that. And that's why, you know, from a if you if you're basic if you want to base this strictly on the spots and the violence of the match, it was great. From a psychology standpoint, it failed cool. miserably. How'd you feel about the finish though? Uh, really quick, how'd you, then how did you feel about the finish of Raquel Gonzalez just power bombing Io Thrash, uh, you know, through a ladder and uh, match over? Um, it was good. Yeah, it, I like that spot because it was Raquel dominating. You know, she took out Io Shirai. Um, I did think it was weird that they got the pin to end the match because I didn't feel like there was much. I mean, because obviously the whole thing's supposed to revolve around Shotzi and Candice. So I expected their spot. I think they had, I think, uh, Vinny, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's okay. You saying that, I honestly think, I honestly think Raquel Gonzalez and Io Shirai was finish number two. Okay. That was probably the backup plan. Uh, I, 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 I'm, uh, I just feel that it was plan B because, I think the spot with Candice LeRae and Io Shirai, um, the spot with Candice LeRae and Shotzi Blackheart, I think that had more to it. I really do. But when they realized that Candice LeRae actually legitimately like hurt slash broke her arm, they immediately went to the other ring and you never even saw the other ring. I honestly think Raquel Gonzalez pinning Io Shirai was plan B. Okay. And that can happen because sometimes they'll call... Sometimes they call finishes on the fly if injury, when injuries happen. So that that does make sense. I could see that being a possibility, big time. So either way, I thought it was I thought it was great with the brutality that the match had. And I kind of like that Raquel got the win because if anything, her pinning Io Shirai could potentially make Raquel next in line for a women's championship. It allows her to plead a case because she's like, I pinned the champion. So and, e- and let's say, and, and Io Shirai, I think she's fought everybody else in this match. And everybody else in this match at some point, I think except for Tony Storm, has gotten a title shot against Io Shirai. Um, yep. So I, so, so I think Raquel would probably make herself next in line. Because with all due respect to uh, Tony Storm, I don't see her getting a title shot anytime soon. No. So I think Raquel could be it. And because, like I said, Io Shirai has practically ran through everybody, Raquel could be the one to win the title. And she could have a dominant. Uh, my only my only thing with that is, so then what the hell does Dakota Kai do? Because Reina Gonzalez has been following around Dakota Kai, not, not the other way around. I don't know. Uh, well, I foresee two possibilities. One... Dakota Kai kind of starts backing up Raquel a little bit, and they stay in alliance. Or, at some point, Dakota turns on Raquel because she wants the belt. It could be a way to split them up. Because that, I have seen title reign split up, we've seen title reign split up friendships, so I can't, maybe Dakota gets kind of jealous or angry that she does that, and maybe, or maybe she could get a new enforcer, because, uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, I, I know that, like, for example, I know John, Watches NXT but doesn't really doesn't follow the main roster. For those of you that fa- also fall in that category, Mercedes Martinez is no longer in retribution. She left the group, so she. Oh, maybe she come back. Maybe she comes back, and she probably turns heel and becomes Dakota Kai's new bodyguard. So it could be that. That way, Dakota Kai has somebody to help her fight Raquel 
because obviously Dakota Kai is, you know, not going to try to pick a fight with Raquel because she's big, jacked up, and dangerous. And Dakota Kai is one of those heels that's like, I need a bodyguard. Because two yeah. people can whoop my ass. It makes sense for her. So with Mercedes no longer there, that'd be a good way to bring her back to NXT. Maybe have her team up. Dakota Kai kind of gets, you know, Mercedes to come in and be her new enforcer. Because obviously, um, there's no, because obviously, I doubt there's going to be any more Robert Stone brand. We haven't seen Robert Stone in God knows how long. Um, yeah, which is sad in a way, but I understand it. Yeah. Like, Aaliyah hasn't been around either. So they kind of just been waiting in the wings. Um, so unless they're going to bring back the Robert Stone brand, which I doubt they're going to do, um, that could be the best route for her to go. Or they do bring back the Robert Stone brand, and Dakota Kai joins that with uh, Mercedes. I don't know. There, there's a million different ways they can do, but I think that's where the route that I, I would go if you're going to give Raquel the belt. You could give Dakota Kai a new bodyguard, and then Dakota can chase the belt. Maybe even maybe even Mercedes helps her take the belt from Raquel. There could be there'd be a million different ways, but that's where I would go with that. But either way, um, like I said, the War Games match it was a it, it was it was a violent match. It had its great spots, but in general, the psychology just tanked. And no pun intended. And no, it's all right, man. Yeah. And so anyway, after that, we cut to uh, Finn Balor, who says the time for team sports is over. And all eyes will return to him in the NXT Championship beginning this Wednesday. Balor has been unable to defend the title due to facial injuries suffered in the last match against Kyler Riley at the previous takeover. But he says, now, the, he said, I hope you all enjoy your war games. Because after this, the attention goes back to the Prince. It was good. It was a, it was a good little uh, pl- uh, plate spin promo for him. Yeah. I liked it because, you know, it kind of reminds us all that Finn Balor is back. But obviously, he wasn't doing much because he had no match to build for the pay-per-view. And they didn't want to throw anything together. And I also think to be on the safe side, they were kind of like, let's have Finn Balor sit out the war games and then bring him back, you know, once it's over to give his jaw a little bit, just some extra time to heal up. Like kind of a, let's stay on the safe side on this one. Let's not throw a, let's not throw Finn Balor into a match he doesn't need to be in to risk it to risk injury. I think was kind of where they were going. Yeah, I mean, it's just generally good to have him back cuz uh it would have been good to see our NXT champion uh defend in this uh in this pay-per-view. Absolutely. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Tommaso Ciampa versus Timothy Thatcher. This is terrible, Vinny, but I fell asleep during this match. <laughs> I'm 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 not kidding. I uh, I fell asleep. Rhiannon came downstairs, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I was watching Takeover," and that was about right when Ciampa won. Uh, that's my recollection here. Um, I remember vaguely there being some really good like ground to ground wrestling in the beginning, and uh, at the end, Timothy Thatcher was real bloody, and uh, Ciampa won. But uh, to be to be honest. I love Champa, but I didn't care because he's with Timothy Thatcher and they're like thrown together fucking feud that uh, I didn't like this at all. But if, if the only thing was to get Champa on a takeover, I guess it worked. <laughs> I guess that's where they were going with this. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, there's, there's no change in his mind on this one, ladies and gentlemen. I, no, I, there I, isn't. I, 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 
I was like, I was like, okay. Cause I was watching this match and it was actually like really damn good. I'm like, okay, maybe John has something nice to say about this. Okay. No. All right. I'm, I, I don't know what else to do. NXT, if you're listening, I don't know what else to do. He just, he just doesn't like the guy. It happens. I, I yeah, I, it happens. I, uh, it's just terrible because I feel bad about it, but yeah, I just, I just don't care, man. Yeah. Yes. Well, I will say I, I I was impressed with the match and enjoyed it uh, just because Tommaso's great in the ring and Thatcher, you know, like I said, he it, it folk what it, what this match does is it appeals to Thatcher's strengths, which I think is great. That's why I love the fact that every match he has is mat wrestling related, submission related, and what it does is, in my opinion, it brings in a style of wrestling that people can enjoy if they're not a fan of everybody jumping around and being acrobatic. It's like you can watch matches like this. That's that's the appeal that I get from it. And I love the fact that, you know, obviously, um, you know, Tommaso hits the Widow's Bell, locks in a guillotine for the win, uh, eventually gets the pinfall. Um, it was brutal. It was violent. Uh, I, I'm, I was impressed with the match. at the I, I love the moment at the end where they were just kind of staring each other down from the outside like, I, I wouldn't have been shocked at all or upset at all if they shook hands after that match because that was that was a bloody fight that could have gone either way. So I was like, holy crap! Like that's one of those things where wow. you're you're not the same after that. Wow, Vinny, you I kind of feel bad. I fell asleep now, but I've been I was I was being honest with you, man. No, 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 that's fair. I'm I'm not. I know you're being honest. I just I just laughed because it it just sounded funny at the time, and. Uh, <laughs> It was like it was like I gotta be honest. I fell asleep and I just I just laughed. It was good timing. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, it really is. It it really was. It really was a good match. Like I know you don't care about Timothy Thatcher, and that's okay. But if you like Matt wrestling and grappling and that kind of style, these two pulled that off very well. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We had the strap match: Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes. Uh, um, I, I didn't have high hopes for this one because, you know, WWE and strap matches and, uh, just generally, uh, it, the ones in recent memory that we saw on SmackDown and everywhere that they, they haven't been great strap matches. So I was a little hesitant, but, uh, this, this one was entertaining uh, at least to a point. Thankfully, the match wasn't too long. It didn't carry on. And, um, I mean, Dexter Loomis picks up the win. I wasn't happy about it. But uh, he was at least uh, pretty creative uh, picking up the win. And, uh, yeah, good for Dexter Loomis. It seems like they're definitely pushing him. Yeah. I at least like the fact that they put a lot of emphasis, that they did a lot of moves with the strap to kind of separate themselves. That's true. Everything else. I also like the fact that Cameron was like, you know, he said, I got my own strap. I, I, it's this or no strap. And I'm like, okay. He's, because I'm thinking to myself, all right, he's very obsessed with wanting his own strap to be used. So I'm thinking it's got to be gimmicked in some way. Like, is it slippery? Is it is, is it like, you know, done in a way to where he can easily get out? Like, I Like, what is it? And... It really, it really wasn't anything special about it. It was just he wanted to use his own strap, like it was weird. Like if you're gonna, which, which is weird, but yeah, if you if you're gonna be that obsessed about it, something has to be wrong with it. 
Because first of all, he wouldn't even, like, like Dexter's just like, I, Dexter had a look on his face like, I, I don't give a shit, just put it on my wrist. I'm already going to kill this guy. So, like, he, like, the ref's looking at him like, are you sure you want to use this? And Dexter's just staring and goes, he's, yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to use it. I'm like, D- okay. Like, he's like, he's cause they look at him like, I don't give a shit, just put it on me. Let's get, Can I kill him, please? But they don't even let him put the strap on his wrist. Um, and... You know, so obviously the fight's breaking out, and so they so he waits. He doesn't even let them attach it. They just fight, and then so obviously Cameron Grimes is trying to hold the advantage. He actually did pretty well in this match. Like what I loved about it was this match was actually a fight between these two. It was finally not Cameron Grimes was finally in a situation where he's fighting Dexter Loomis, and he's not where he wasn't scared of him. Because don't get me wrong. Dexter, I mean, Cameron being scared has been funny and entertaining. And I've enjoyed every second of it. I've had no complaints about the build-up to this match. But I felt like, okay, the bell's going to ring. I want to see a fight. And I saw a fight. So I was impressed with the match. And like we said before, I, I, the, I, 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 I let the kids play on my lawn this time. And I mm-hmm. I didn't give a shit. Because I, I knew, like, look, it's going to be a pinfall submission. All right, you kids, play on my launch. Don't step on my flowers. And I watched the match, and I enjoyed the match. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you could see it from someone else's perspective. There, I did. I just told him, just don't touch my flowers. <laughs> it took me forever to plant those. Um, but either way, um, it was very entertaining, and I enjoyed what happened. So then, of course, after that, um, we see a. Uh, a vulture perched, waiting to strike. We see a bunch of uh, crazy random stuff and hear a bunch of crazy random stuff. You're trying to follow it. Then all of a sudden you hear TikTok, which I enjoy because obviously when we hear TikTok, your first thought is carrying cross, which means that there's a good chance his shoulder could be healed up and he could be coming back soon. Yeah. Um do you think they will pretty much immediately put him in a program with Finn Balor to put the belt back on him? Yes, and I think they should. Because because uh, obviously Karrion Cross was the guy that was going to take over for Keith Lee after he dropped the belt and Keith Lee got called up. So Karrion Cross was supposed to be able to run rough shot, but he separated his shoulder. Still looked still looked strong and finished the match. Still was able to um, hold the title up with the very shoulder that he separated. Cut a good promo, announcing he'd be back soon, and, you know, went to go heal up. So, and even with Finn Balor, like, he had the great match with Kyle O'Reilly, but he was also sitting at home with a broken jaw. So there was there was a question of whether or not he was even gonna continue as NXT champion, and the only reason he got the belt in the first place was because Karrion Cross got injured. So I definitely think they're gonna work towards putting that belt back on him, and I do think they should. With all due respect to Finn Balor, this was Karrion Cross's moment, and as dominant as a wrestler as he was before he separated that shoulder, he's not ready to job yet. Because he was already on an undefeated streak, he's about to come back from an injury. I think it's I, I think I think NXT is stupid if they don't put the belt back on him. Uh, yeah, I can agree with that. I think 
people would just feel some kind of way about putting it on Finn just to immediately take it off of him. Yeah. I mean, true, but it's like, you know, he it's not like it's not like it's not like Finn Balor was having like was on a roll dominating. He had one great match with Kyle O'Reilly. And I'm not taking anything away from the match. I'm just saying it's not like they would be killing the rain for him because originally Finn Balor was supposed to be the uh, Finn Balor was supposed to go for the UK title before all this COVID stuff even happened. They had to call an audible because Finn couldn't finish the rivalry with Imperium and had to do everything else. So uh, now I don't know what the international travel situation is like, but if there's a way, whether they put Finn on a private jet or whatever, if they could somehow reignite that feud with Imperium, I don't think it'll affect him as much. I think if Karrion Cross can take the belt back, which they'll probably wait till a takeover to do that. So I think by that time, the international travel should be okay. And then they can just have Finn drop the title to Karrion Cross and then have him go back to, and then just send him to the UK and be like, hey, Walter, I haven't forgotten about you. Or whoever the current champion is. I heard that there might be a new UK champion. I can't remember. Um, oh, I can't remember either. I think I think it's still Walter, but I don't know. All right, but if it's still Walter, that can work. Um, but either way, uh, on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have a triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship. Leon Ruff defends the title against Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano. Look, regardless of what actually happened this match, other than Leon Ruff getting the, the crap beat out of him, I mean, all over the place. Uh, but then again, that's kind of what, I mean, obviously he, he got some offense in, I mean, uh, for what it could be, but uh, honestly, the main thing I got out of this Vinny was the fact that they corrected. I, I truly believe was a botch or a mistake in some way or a terrible, terrible decision. They put the belt back on Johnny and I, I just think it was so correct, and I, I still am super confused as why the belt even came off of him in the first place. I don't know. I thought may- maybe they were going for a shock value kind of thing and wanted to build something up, or maybe they wanted to do a temporary experiment and see if fans would get behind Leon Ruff, and to be honest, they didn't. I mean, maybe the maybe the crowds that are... Because obviously there's a combination of uh, regular crowds and planted people in the actual audience. But to my knowledge, with the exception of the people that were planted, I didn't think any organic fans actually enjoyed seeing Leon Ruff with the belt. I know I didn't. I thought it looked ridiculous. I thought the him the uh you know Damian Priest raising his hand and the belt falling down to his legs and him kind of walking like that. I don't know if that was done for comedic effect, but it looked ridiculous. It if it was meant to be funny, it the, the joke didn't work. Um, I guess because Leon Ruff never struck me as a comedic type character. Like if he was a if he was a wrestler that was based in comedy style of wrestling, like if he did a lot, of, if he was a, a comedy wrestler, which a lot of people are. You know, your uh, your Santino Morellas, your Grados, your Orange Cassidy's of the world. If it was something like that. Maybe I would have laughed and got the joke. But with Leon Ruff, the joke fell flat because I didn't know if, what kind of style of wrestling he did other than getting his ass kicked every week. Like, Leon Ruff was not built up in any way to be somebody that people believed as a champion. And maybe they thought, oh, maybe with the shock value and the proof that anything can happen on NXT, 
maybe they thought it would get people to tune in every week and be a ratings bump. And to a degree, it worked because there was one week where NXT did get the win over AEW during this during the buildup to War Games. But I think you're right. I think they realized Leon Ruff is not a long-term champion. And we got to find a way to make this right. So they put it back on. They put it back on Gargano, and that was a smart decision to make. And uh, what I also liked was the fact that the the ghost face guy returned, but then there was like six of them, which I thought was weird. Did was I the one I thought it was weird that there were six people in ghost face masks? Yeah, it. I don't know what they're doing, dude. I don't know if now there's a like an entire grouping or. Uh, or they were the women's team back there to help Johnny. I have no idea, man. It was confusing. <laughs> yes. Uh, although I will say, uh, John called it. It was Austin Theory in the ghost face yep. mask. Told I, you, dude. <laughs> and I like the fact that he 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 stole he stole the Vince McMahon catchphrase when he revealed himself, which that was funny because it made sense. Because his name is Austin Theory. So him doing the whole, it's me, and then pointing at himself saying, Austin, I loved it. You know, it was something where I'm like, okay. That's, that's old school stuff, man. Yeah. but And the thing is that, yeah, it was copying the old school, but it worked. Like he timed it. Because it made sense. Because his name is Austin Theory. I'm revealing myself. It was just, see, the timing and the circumstances, it worked. Obviously, Austin Theory can't make a habit of that, but it worked. Now, he might try to tell the joke a second time on NXT. And I think because it's going to be the post-show from War Games, he's allowed one more time to do it, but then he's going to stop it. It can't be something he does every week. You get get one more chance to do it for funny comedic effect, and then you got to shut it down. (laughs) You're so funny, dude. Being real. He's on a... I know, I know you are. You're just uh, I love when you get so into stuff, Vinny, because like it, it's just true. He shouldn't say it a whole lot because then we're gonna get tired of it. But you're just funny. You're like you get two, dude. You get two. You're like you're just <laughs> you get. It's like you get one more. You, you have to tell it one more time. Then you gotta stop. I'm like it's like it just there's a you're limit. There's a cap on this. Dude. <laughs> I know you're just ridiculous, Vinny. I love it. All right, I'm just just saying. All right, and on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. Now we got the men's war games match: the Undisputed Era versus the Kings of NXT. So, first off, can I say, um, really quick, Vinny, did you like the color scheme for the Undisputed Era tonight? Uh, or you know, when when you watched it, the the red, or do, you were just not into it. Um, I don't know. It was different. It's definitely a departure from how they normally dress. I don't know why they changed the color scheme, but it looked good. I'm not gonna say it didn't. It just it looked weird because they were black and gold for so long. Like that was every style. Now all of a sudden you just switch the color scheme up. I think it was just for takeover because I've I remember takeovers where they've worn green before. I I legitimately think it was just for takeover, but it doesn't change the fact that it was weird seeing them in red. Yeah, it was definitely strange. And I do I will say that 
I did I did enjoy I, I, I enjoyed this match, I will say. I loved uh the psychology behind everything. I felt the story was told very well. Um as always there were there were a few little trinkets that I had some issues with. Uh not as much as the women's war games match, but just a few things. And the first thing I, I wanna do is I, I, there's one aspect of this entire War Games match that bothered me, and it's oh okay. I, I blame the announcers for this though. I don't blame the wrestlers for this. I strictly blame the announcers. Let me put it this way: I I I learned during this match, Pat McAfee was right. Big Joseph, you suck. <laughs> you suck. In fact, to steal another Pat McAfee phrase, um, although I got to change one because none of them were bleeding, uh, but the three announcers, um, yeah, um, you suck, you should probably retire, and you're dumb. That's my message to all three of them because the fact that this didn't dawn on any of you during this entire broadcast, all I keep hearing over and over and over again is, Pete Dunn, Kyle O'Reilly. Pete Dunn, Kyle O'Reilly. Pete Dunn, Kyle O'Reilly. Pete Dunn hit Kyle O'Reilly with the chair. Blah, 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 blah. And how Pete Dunn's an asshole because he hit Kyle O'Reilly with the chair. How is it not one of you could bring up that part of the reason Pete Dunn wants to kill the Undisputed Era is because one of their members stabbed him in the back to join the Undisputed Era? How how am I the only one who knows this besides okay, other than John? Other than John, other than John. Uh how are we the only ones that know this? Not one mention of this throughout the entire War Games match. Pete Dunn and Roderick Strong barely even touched each other in this match. I get that Pete Dunn's a heel. I get that. The Undisputed Era baby faces. I get that too. But at the same time. You can't treat the audience like they're stupid. Even if they are stupid. Because there are some, you know, you know, Pat McAfee talks a lot of shit about the internet wrestling community. It's partially true. I know, because I interact with a lot of the internet wrestling Yeah, community. It, it partially is true, yeah, yeah. It, there's, some, there's some truth to that. But still, you have part, like, like I, and I know Pat McAfee said, this is a group brought together by money. Obviously, yes. But Pete Dunne also had revenge on his mind. Like, that, the fact that that was only mentioned once in this whole entire feud is goddamn ridiculous. That y'all don't address that one time. It didn't dawn on any of you, any of the announcers. Not one of you thought to say this. Beth Phoenix went over her head. Wade Barrett went over his head. Vic Joseph... Definitely went over his head. Did Big Joseph even remember what building he was in? Like, that was goddamn ridiculous. You're being so mean, Vinny. Because it pissed me off so much. Like, I I get annoyed with stuff like that. Like, how is that not a spot in the match? I would have, like, again, I don't hate Kyle O'Reilly. But Kyle O'Reilly was the least of Pete Dunne's worries. Kyle O'Reilly just happened to be the last man standing for the Undisputed Era when they decided to reveal their plan. That was all that was. Pete Dunn don't hate Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, I mean, I mean, he hates him, but not as much as he hates Pete Dunn. I mean, Roger Strong. Sorry, 
the fact that I, I still say they should have there should have been a spot in the match with the two of them going at it. So there was that. So that that part that bothered me. Um, let's see. Outside of that, now uh, Pat McAfee, Vinny, Pat McAfee took some damn bumps in this match. Like they they were they were really some keep it simple stupid bumps. Um, but you know what? When it's someone who's not as experienced or just like is essentially still kind of like a celebrity, um, he took some really really good bumps in this match. I was surprised actually. Yeah, and that's what made. And here's the thing. That's what made them work. The fact that it was Pat that was doing them. Like these were the type of these were the type of moves he does. We've seen the wrestlers do a hundred thousand times. So it's amazing, but we've seen it before. But when Pat's doing it, it's insane. Like, like he did like when he did the moonsault off the top rope. Yeah. Through the table. And then, which it looked like people didn't freaking hold him up for. It it looked and sounded like he jumped off. He barely got slowed down, and he slammed into the mat. I was like, "Did you? Did you guys not catch him?" Yeah, and then, and then to top it all off, he swantons off the cage, like Pat McAfee dove off the cage. If you didn't, if you didn't respect him before, you sure as shit should now. Oh, dude, he. He oh. definitely took some respect bumps, which I feel bad for his body, but he really did, I feel like, did did take some respect bumps there. Oh, he did, totally. And I, I was getting excited towards the end because I thought he, I'm like, oh my God, is he, I'm like, is he about to do the Panama Sunrise? I'm thinking like, oh crap, he about to do the Panama Sunrise. I'm like, I felt like Deadpool when he goes, superhero landing, see the superhero landing. I thought that's how I was thinking. When I'm watching, it's like, you're going to do a Panama Sunrise. Keep in mind, there's nobody else in the studio. He's going to do the Panama Sunrise, and he jumps off, but then Adam Cole super kicked him, and I went, ah, damn it. <laughs> like, I was pissed. I was so pissed. But then... I thought for sure he was going to do it there, dude. Um, <sighs> But even after that, Vinny, they still trusted him to take a Panama Sunrise from Adam Cole. Yeah. Well, I think I think the fact that he took it from him the first time is why he trusted him this time, because because we, we, we think they, they've already done the Panama Sunrise spot the first time they fought, so so I, I kind of so when I knew when I saw Adam Cole go for it, I knew they were going to be okay because the fact they did it once before. Now the first time they did it, I went holy crap! I can't believe he agreed to do that, but now that I've seen it happen before, I, I didn't have that much of a worry. I mean, of course, accidents can always still happen, but they, they'd done this spot before, so I knew nothing bad was going to happen. What I, and, I, and I got pissed when he hit it, because I'll, I'll be honest, the Undisputed Era won this match. I didn't like it, but everything else I loved leading up to it, except for the few things I mentioned before, but what impressed me the most, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, John, Adam Cole... Okay. Hits that Panama Sunrise. There's a cover. Pat McAfee kicked out of the Panama Sunrise. I gotta know, man. What was your reaction? He kicks out like two and nine tenths. He kicked out of that. Um. Okay. I I have two views on it. Uh. One is I've seen people kick out of that before. Um. So I wasn't shocked about him kicking out. What I was more shocked of is how long we are into this match and they're all by themselves. I, I thought maybe they could have ended it there, 
I don't know, but then like you watch the rest of the match and they had a lot more left to do after that spot. Um, I wasn't super upset he kicked out of it because, it, you know, it was appropriate. Um, if I look at it as if that was any other guy in that ring, they would have kicked out of it because the match wasn't over. I should feel the I should feel the same way about a member in that ring as well. So I guess in that light, I was fine with him kicking out. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, holy shit. Like I was on the end. I was like, and then the look on Adam Cole's face. But I mean, I still feel like, and because I thought it should have ended when McAfee hit that low blow. And he was going for his, you know, signature punt kick. I thought that should have ended it. That's just me. No, just- well, honestly, my like now that you bring that up, would you have hated it or liked it right then, right there? Adam Cole, he recovered really quickly. I didn't like that about the spot. Literally, low blows are things that end matches. Uh, I don't like that Adam Cole got a low blow, then basically immediately recovered and went back on offense. Yeah. What I what I needed Adam Cole to do right there, I would have loved if he pulled a friggin' cup out or like something. Dude, like maybe not a cup because PG, you know, gotta keep it keep uh, PG. But like, w- would you not have liked to see him? Like, oh, I got you. Like, I already know your your freaking heel ways. I I I used to be one. You do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that would have only worked if they did like a metal cup. Because I know they've done that a few times. Like, I remember... Oh, have they? In the Attitude Era, uh, China, the low blow was, like, one of her finishing moves was the low blow. She was known for that. She was known for that and the pedigree. Uh, Because she was, was, you know, working with... She used to work with Triple H. So, she would hit the low blow. One time in a match, she was going up against against the Road Dog. This is when China was in the corporation. And she goes for a low blow, and then she just starts grabbing her arm... And then Road Dog does the pump handle slam, gets the one, two, three, and wins the match. And of course, China's like holding her arm in pain. And then Road Dog reaches down to his pants and pulls out a metal cup that he had around his uh his junk, and then just kind of tossed it on the floor and walked out. And the crowd went nuts. Oh, like, see that that'd be so good. Yeah, like now if he had done that, that would have been good. But yeah, I didn't even. I honestly didn't. I'm glad you caught that because I honestly didn't even think about that. I was too busy sitting there going like, "This could have been the finish. That could have been the finish. That could have been the finish." So, I felt th- I felt they overdid the false finishes, and like the only one that like really took me off guard was it worked with Pat McAfee because again, because McAfee's not an, a full time wrestler and he's still kind of considered in the celebrity section, you don't expect him to be able to take a beating. So when he does, it's impressive. But the rest of them, I'm looking at him like, okay, you're you're kicking out of this, you're kicking out of that. I'm like, Jesus, when's the match gonna end? And then it ends with some kind of like, um, like I think there was a flying knee into a chair on Lorkin's face, and that ends the match with all the other impressive I don't, that we saw. I kind of felt like, yeah, it felt anticlimactic to me. Like I, you see Kyle O'Reilly kick out of the bitter end, which. It's been a long time since anybody kicked out of the bitter end. Um, and then, like, right after that, Kyle O'Reilly suplexes Pete Dunne onto that, like, middle metal area. Like, full-fledged suplex him, and he and Pete Dunne kicks out of that. 
I was like, okay, well, I now know, have no freaking idea how they're going to end this match. And just like you said, like, that's how you're going to end this? Like, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, it did end a little awkwardly. Um, well, Vinny, with the Inisputed Era winning, I guess that doesn't mean they're getting called up, man. No, and again, and this is the thing. Um, and I, I, I'm probably in the minority, but I still don't think they should have won this match because I'm thinking, okay, you have McAfee with a badass team. Unless McAfee is like not gonna go anymore or not go for a long time, it, to my opinion, it doesn't really make sense to, you know, kill them off because I feel like they're. I felt like this team was a great heel faction that could dominate and McAfee's already shown he can work just like the boys so you have an established team here but with the Undisputed Era this this is my only question what's left if I, I would love somebody whether in creative or what to, to please explain to me what else in NXT you can do with them where do they go from here the only other logical explanation I could think of is they want to give? Is they want to do the prophecy again, but kind of switch it up? Like Kyle O'Reilly maybe gets the NXT title, or uh, maybe Bobby Fish is the North American champion, and Strong and Cole win the tag belts. I don't know. Like, what else is left? These guys have done maybe, it all. Maybe, maybe Vinny, you bring that up. Maybe because of how much time they've put in, maybe they do want to give the Undisputed Era like a couple firsts, like. If the Undisputed Era win the tag belts again, that would make them the first ever and only four-time tag team champions. You know what I mean? Like, maybe th maybe they want to give them that on the way out? Maybe. I mean, at this point, it would make sense because, you know, only Lurkin and Danny Burch are still the tag team champions. And maybe that might make... The, maybe they might continue feuding with them because they'll want those titles back. Although, personally... I don't want the Undisputed Era to take them. I, I want to see these guys. If, if these guys do lose the tag belts, personally, I want Killian Dane and Drake Maverick to do it. Oh, you you stooge. Oh, no, I'm my goodness. You, no, I'm telling you why. Think about it. I know. I'm joking with okay, you. Okay. I'm just not into them yet. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying. I need, I need them to have a, a legitimate match. A real match that isn't a squash. It's not interrupted. I know you can get behind them, but I don't have a younger brother. I don't view it as you. I just need to see a actual frigging match from them so I can start to get behind them. That's fair. I, I, I I'm fine with that. That is more than fair. That's reasonable. I'm just saying that, like, not like obviously not when they immediately get back, but I'm saying that that's who I would want to take it because a, like I said, they're, they can they can become an established team at that point. Like that's when you'll really see the chemistry between them work. They're as goofy as their music is. It's over with the crowd, so it's fantastically done. And not only that, but they were taken out of the picture by Pat McAfee's group, so they can be the ones to kind of get their revenge. Because as far as I'm concerned, Undisputed already got the revenge. They just they won. How much more revenge do they need? It, you won the war games. It, so as far as I'm concerned, th they're done. That's it. They, there's no uh, there's no reason for them to keep fighting. There's no reason for undisputed era to stick around because there's it, as long as there's as long as they're still there, there's no growth for the brand in my opinion. 
And I say that because, and I'm not trying to say the Undisputed Era is a bunch of politicking glory hogs because they're not. They're not. What I'm saying is, if they're in those spots, how can the other how how can other people on the roster grow if the Undisputed Era is constantly there? Like, is is like the War Games going to be Undisputed Era every year? Are we never going to see two different teams in that cage? Because the only reason Undisputed Era is in this is because, like I said, they're the they were the only four man group. Every other four man group just gets brought together. Like as again, how many? Like as I look at NXT and I go like, what's left? Like that's the thing. It has nothing to do with hating the Undisputed Era. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't hate the Undisputed Era. I may have at first, but that has changed. That changed a long time ago. Um, I'm just looking at it like what's left. I look down the line and I go, what else could you possibly do? That you 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 beat you've won this match. You've beaten. You've held all the gold. Unless you're gonna hold all the gold, but flip it around. There's nothing really left to do except to have matches, which is fine. But after a while, you will have wrestled everybody. And then it's just going to become a repetitive cycle. And this is not just me. This is wrestling fans in general. Y'all hate repetitive cycles. You know, I know this because Cena and Orton got a lot of shit for fighting over and over and over again. I'm saying we're going to get a repeat of that eventually because the Undisputed Era will have run through everybody. So I felt like this was the perfect way for the Undisputed Era to go out. And if you need further proof of that, look no further than the fact that before Pat McAfee even went into the cage, he pulled out four different tables with each of their names on it. That, to me, that's genius. I would have been like, okay, you got... You, you, yeah, it really was. You could put each one through the table with their name on it, and that would have been a way to beat them and send them packing. You just... You send them packing, and then they go to Raw and SmackDown, and you reinvent them up there. Now, maybe there might be a situation where, okay, maybe we send the Undisputed Era. Maybe we kind of let them stay home for a bit to kind of sell what happened at War Games. Kind of let that die off a bit. Then you bring them to Raw, you bring them to SmackDown, and they can dominate. Like, to me, that would this would have been the great way for them to go out. You know? Just... You find a way to make it work, and if you book it properly, it could have worked. But now that the Undisputed Era has won this, I don't know what happens with uh, Team McAfee, and that's the only time. I'm gonna, this is the only time I'm going to call them that. But I don't know what's what what's the future for them. Like, does does Pat come back? Is he done? Because I'll be honest, I don't want him to be done because he's too damn good. <laughs> I don't want Pat McAfee to leave. This guy's too damn good. I mean, obviously, if he doesn't want to go, if he doesn't want to do it after that, that's his decision. But I'm like, if he still wants to do it, let him do it. Because damn it, he's great at it. He's amazing. And you know, obviously, I want to see this team together because I feel like these guys, these guys are dominant, and it's a new team to hate. Because the Undisputed Era, even when they were heels, nobody was hating them. Really, I mean, no, the, no, everybody loved them. Yeah. I mean, God, I'll give them credit. They tried. They really, Adam Cole tried. He tried to get hate. He really did. Guy did his best. And at times, he succeeded. After this match, they're not going to be heels anymore. It ain't going to work. You can't just switch them back heel again. It's, it's like I said, there's, there's nothing left. The audience just likes them too much as faces. Yeah, and... I don't know. Maybe they just, 
I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just feel like I just feel like I when it comes to NXT, the Undisputed Era has done it all. I feel like they're just they're just spinning their wheel. I this is what this is what I think. And you can tell if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But I think they want to stay in NXT and keep spinning their wheels. I think they're scared of the main roster. I think they're scared. I think they're afraid to go to the um, main roster. I don't blame them, man. Yeah. I, that, I'm saying, I'm, that's my only theory. Why else would they not? Why else would you not want to go unless you're scared they're not going to do anything with you? I think they're scared. That's what I think. Because if they weren't, if they weren't scared, they would go. Because what else can you do with them in NXT? Time will tell, but that's the thing. I was disappointed. So I was disappointed in the finish, but everything leading up to it, aside from the, you know, Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong not getting any interaction in the cage and the excessive false finishes, that was it. Those are my only negatives. Everything else was beautiful. I love this match. Well, Vinny, with all that being said, <laughs> that was War Games, man. Yeah, man. It was wonderful. This was a fantastic, uh, like I said, it was overall it was a fantastic show. Some things were, there were some trinkets that could have been worked on, but everything else was good. So uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, will conclude the uh, the recap of NXT TakeOver War Games. And uh, John, as always, man, I thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join us this week. And um uh, next week uh, is going to be a little bit of a twist to next week's show. I already mentioned this previously, but um, this weekend uh, I'm I'm performing at a Christmas party, so uh, I will not be available for the wrestling portion of the show. But uh, I did talk to Rihanna. I don't know if she talked to you yet or not, but I was hoping I'd like to see you two reunite again for uh, an NXT recap, and I look forward to seeing how you guys do again. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, dude. Well, we will handle that. All righty. So that's right. So next, like I said, next week, uh, Elvis and Des will be handling AEW. John and Rhiannon will be handling uh, NXT. Elvis and I will find some time to do our opening segment, but obviously the wrestling part, I'm gonna leave it. At, I'm gonna leave that up to them because I got my uh, my big Christmas my big uh, Christmas party performance uh, this coming weekend. But uh, John, again, I do thank you for uh, taking time your busy schedule. And um, now, since next week is gonna be the last show of the year, but I know we're gonna be. We got a lot of content coming soon. They're going to be working together on. So even though we might not be recording after after next week, I do look forward to uh, the stuff we got planned uh, during the break that we're going to be working on. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, number one to, uh, I mean, uh, do more of it. Uh, but secondly, uh, actually uh, get down, uh, get edited what we have. And uh, most definitely Vinny, um, let me let me just say uh, the video will speak for itself. Yes, uh, uh, it's, it's my understanding that we uh, we have the footage back from the the special project we shot. Oh, oh, we got the footage back, Vinny, in uh, in in full HD. Oh boy, full HD. Full HD. Whoa. So, uh, you guys uh, to. To not give too much away, exactly. I, I can also say, Vinny, um, uh, you, I appreciate you leaving your mic on um, a little, you know, uh, I, I guess post-activity, that's yeah. all we'll say, um, because some of the conversations that you have with people while you're walking around, legitimate gold. <laughs> legitimate gold. Um. 
Uh, I, I give nothing away because every every place has a bathroom. Uh, but Vinny, <laughs> when you ask when you ask the lady in the bathroom the question you ask her, and she she just says, "Uh, no, just so plain, no," and you're just like, "Oh, okay," and you just sort of walk away. I just, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, the audio the the audio's really funny as well. Yes. Um. Well, that, I, that, that's a little trick I learned uh, when I worked on the regular guys. They used to they used to do a mic'd up thing with me uh, on the show, and that it was I, I had to keep the mic on at all times because um, Larry, Larry found out that I would talk to myself a lot because that's just that that's just the thing that I do, and so he wanted to keep me mic'd up to hear what I would say or think out loud, and sometimes I would just walk around the building if I wasn't on the air trying to make conversations with people. So I've always been used to just having a mic on. So I always learned, like, never take it off until you absolutely had to. And eventually there came a point where I abs- where I did have to. Once I once I uh, met up once once I met up with the gang, I eventually took it off. But yeah, um, that's that's interesting. So we obviously, like I said, we're trying not to give a lot away. But trust me, when we put this up there, you guys are gonna love this. So uh, we're, tr- we're I don't want to talk about it anymore because I don't want. Is that, that the anymore. word? Is that the word they're going to use, Vinny? Uh, I think th- what you don't think they're going to love it? I think they're going to love it. Oh, they're going to they're definitely going to love it, but <laughs> they might use a different word first. Oh yes, uh probably. Probably. Um yeah, I I I I, I my mom had I told my mom obviously I told my mom about Don't say it. anymore. Don't say anymore. I won't say anymore. I won't say anymore. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She, no, 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 you're no, no that's fine. That's fine. You yeah. you told your mom about it. Yeah, and she she made an interesting comment. I'll tell you off the air, but let's just say, like I said, you guys okay. are gonna love this. But um, anyway, uh, so yes, that, ladies and gentlemen, that is coming soon. Uh, so make sure you guys uh follow the Boochcast here on SoundCloud. Go to SoundCloud.com/slash/Boochcast. B O O C H C A S T. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com/slash/TheBoochcast. We got archived episodes of the show as well as great content up there. Um, of course. I have my latest episode of Complaint Time is up there. Uh, also, uh, Wednesday Wisdom will be coming out uh, tomorrow uh, or Wednesday, depending on what time this gets up here to you guys. Um, also, speaking of Complaint Time, keep you, make sure you guys go to the HBMA YouTube channel at 12 p.m. on December 20th. We have the big, intense episode of Complaint Time ever done. It features myself. It features Jerry Truman, and it features the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott, the three of us, in the latest episode of Complaint Time, December 20th, 12 p.m., HVMA YouTube channel. Check that out. Obviously, I'll have it on the Boochcast page as well, but I want people at the HVMA at the premiere because it's going to be great. You're going to want to be first in line to see this if you're able to. And also, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter and Instagram, at the Boochcast. Check out the latest tweets. Check out the latest photos and videos that we have up there. Uh, we're going to be posting a lot more. Uh, I got a few funny photos uh, coming out soon. Some are going to be a little bit more festive because it's the holidays. Uh, so we're going to have some fun stuff on the Instagram page. And, of course, as always, when we, like we always say, um, we didn't mention this a lot during the War Games match because there was so much to cover. But one thing we love about Tony Storm is that ass. So yeah, That's right, man. So if you want to see that ass, check it out. On our Instagram page at the Boochcast, 
that's where you can find that. Also, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We've got a lot of YouTube content coming very soon. Uh, I actually had a chat with uh, Rhiannon after the Survivor Series watch party, and she said that during the holidays, uh, she did say she wanted us to get together and start working on some of the projects that we got coming up. So we're going to be having stuff to the YouTube channel soon. Speaking of the watch party, we're going to have snippets of the watch party up there soon. Uh, during during the during the break, I will be uh, getting the raw footage and we'll be chopping parts of it up and putting it on the YouTube channel. If you want to see it in its entirety, I'll tell you where to find that in just a moment. But of course, make sure also on the YouTube channel, we're going to have Dark Side of the Ring. We're going to have our reviews of Dark Side of the Ring. We got the WWE countdown coming. I know Elvis is working on skits as we speak. He's writing ideas for that. And also the big the big special project will also be on the YouTube channel. So hit that subscribe button so you can check that out. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the boochcast. You can see the Survivor Series watch party in its entirety. We will be meeting up again in January for the Royal Rumble. That'll be our next. Uh, pay-per-view watch party because like I said before we do the big four minus Wrestlemania because we may be going to Tampa so Wrestlemania probably won't happen but like I said the Royal Rumble we will be there for that and of course our Boochcast Dungeons and Dragons campaign will be coming soon to the Twitch channel as well so make sure you're following us and check that out obviously we got some more details to work out on that but all that coming soon to the Twitch channel so make sure you're following us, twitch.tv slash theboochcast. And of course, support the show through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash theboochcast. We have great rewards for great patrons for as little as $1 a month. Just one. $1 a month. You can help contribute to the show. You can help us, um, you know, pay the bills, keep the lights on, upgrade the equipment, bring in a... Uh, Bigger name guests that require a talent fee to do a podcast. I, I know that sounds weird, but believe it or not, there are people, bigger names that are like that. So the more we have, the more we can bring in bigger names and have them on here and, you know, make things happen. And, of course, also, it helps me take care of the guys and gal that make this show possible. My guys and my gal that make this possible. So if you listen to the NXT recap, you're thinking, Vinny John does a really good job. He should be paid. I agree. Patreon is how you make that happen. So... Uh, make sure you guys uh, go to that page and uh, make sure you guys uh, pick the uh, rewards you want. And like I said, if you got some extra spending cash, there's no pressure, but if you got some extra spending cash and you want to take advantage of some of the other great rewards we got, feel free to do so as well. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Until then... Pizza, baby! Pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall That it's time to bid you one and all Goodbye! Goodbye! So long! So long! Farewell! Farewell! Adieu! Adieu! Be good! Stay well! Bye-bye! Keep warm! Relax! And eat! Take care! Stay loose! Adieu, bon vieux! A la prochaine! Goodbye till when we meet again!